Warning, Family Ties Positive Vibes may or may not contain any positive vibes. However, it is sure to contain three members of the family trying their best. Welcome to Family Ties Positive Vibes, a podcast about our lives and the nonsense behind all of it. My name is Michael Summers. My name is Linnell Summers. I believe I am John Summers. You believe? Yeah. Has that changed recently? No, but it's nice to have faith. Fair enough. Michael, what have you been up to this week? What have I been up to? I have no idea. Literally, I haven't been up to much except celebrating a friend's birthday. I haven't seen this friend since March, since you know why. (laughs) Um... And it was nice being able to hang out despite all the precautions we have around it. We all have to decontaminate first, and then we can only be like, we still have to be six feet apart. Yeah. It's unfortunate that you can't, like, gently place a kiss on your friend's cheeks anymore. Yeah, it's very it's very hard to do that and show my appreciation for them. Mom, how's your week been? My week was good. I've got some projects going. Um, you remember my friend Joe, who we got the cat from? Right, absolutely. Joe's a wonderful friend. She's a good influence on me. And whenever she comes back into my life, as she's done just now, she comes with projects. So she dropped off a bunch of large pots with some plants. So I just had to go buy some dirt and repot the plants. And then the other thing she brought was a rocker, a, uh, a glider rocker. Like a, like a bench. Yeah, kind of. But it's a glider. Mm-hmm. And it needs a little bit of work because it has lived up at her cabin for a while and apparently the snow at the cabin is hard on this little piece of furniture so john and i are working on sanding it down and then we're just going to apply a coat of glossy spray paint and get a couple of cushions and we'll have a nice little addition to our patio and it'll be nice to sit outside when it's 104 degrees it will but i think we might need a fan or something because this year the mosquitoes are intense I don't know where they're coming from, but I can't go out there in the evening. My legs are so bit up from mosquitoes. Um, I'm trying not to scratch them. I'm trying not to look at them, but uh, I know it's not just me because neighbors have posted on that Nextdoor app that uh, a lot of people are having issues with mosquitoes. They've had the uh, county mosquito abatement people come out and spray, but, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, I've heard people specifically saying, there are a lot of mosquitoes, but they're only going for very specific parts of the body for some people. Like my ankles, yes. Yeah, Ashley said that too. I don't know what it is. With me, it's entirely my left side. I have, I have no bites on my right side, but they're all on my left side. Well, I guess that means you're all right then. Yeah. Well, I was a little concerned that maybe I was the cause of all the mosquitoes because... <laughs> the curse has been... <laughs> the seal has been lifted. Well, maybe... Everybody in the neighborhood? I don't know. Mosquitoes are kind of localized, aren't they? So, like, if I was the cause, it would just be the cause for my section of the neighborhood. So, it can't be possible. But I do have this hot tub that was here on the property when we bought the house. And it didn't work. So, we just bought a cover and slapped it on the top and then just kind of forgot about it. But, sadly, the cover doesn't last forever. And it has worn out uh, apparently the cover's made of styrofoam. I had no idea what it was made out of until now it's deteriorated and I can tell. So um, I knew that there was probably nastiness getting into the hot tub all winter long because we had plenty of rains and that cover was not covering well. It was covering enough I couldn't see what was underneath. 
But I was clued into the fact that it was not uh, keeping the reins out. So anyways, I finally had to uh, ask John to uh, lift the lid and maybe see what might be going on. I thought maybe it was a West Nile cesspool. Turns out it's not. Thankfully. (laughs) I think it's just because it's so hot that anything that tries to live down there dies immediately. It is. The styrofoam is slightly insulating at least. So as hot as it was outside it, I'm pretty sure it was hotter inside it. Maybe. Well, I don't know, though, because I did, I had to use buckets to get the most of the water out of there. I'm sorry. Um, It was nice for the lawn, though, because my lawn was nicely watered. Uh, And now it's evaporating. The rest of it has to evaporate out because I just can't get the rest of it. But um, I don't think I am the West Nile cesspool that I was afraid I might be. Well, that's a relief. John, how's your week been? My week has been all right. Uh, Mostly uneventful, of course. Uh, working as much as I can, but uh, hopefully that'll change in the next couple of weeks. I'm planning a stargazing trip. Oh, cool. With your friends? Yeah. No, with my enemies. Well, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, don't worry. I'll bring my three knives with me. Excellent. (laughs) So which stars do you plan to gaze at? Oh, just the ones that appear. All seven of them here in in the... I want to say it is the uh, Persades meteor shower. Uh, It started mid-June. It's going till late August, and I caught the beginning of it a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to catch the tail end of it in a couple more weeks. Neat. So where do you go to watch the stars? Well, we go far out of town. We take... The 178? Out towards the canyon? The freeway. Yes, we take the freeway out of town. Uh, and we go past the uh, zoo that's outside of town. We go past Calm. We go like three miles past it. And uh, we just go into those uh, hills there. And so we're outside of the lights of the city. We're going on a new moon, so it'll be pretty clear visibility that way. And we're just going to spend some spend some hours looking upwards. Awesome. It should oh, cool. be pretty dark out there. Yes. The last time I went stargazing, we did have a little bit of fun with saying... Oh, where did John go? Oh, there he is, 10 feet away from me. Because <laughs> it was so dark they couldn't see you? Just barely. And I mean, they were looking at their phones before they looked up, so their eyes did, were trying to adjust as well. Oh, okay. So out in nature and still can't, and still looking at your phones. So do you need Darn your millennials. <laughs> yeah, do you need the phones to even tell what stars you're looking at? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. It's mostly because we're not trying to, like, pick out the names of stars. We're just saying, ooh, that ooh, looks pretty. Great lights. Ooh, and it is kind of funny when we're all looking up and we're just having a conversation or whatever, and then we see a star, uh, like a meteor streak by, and we go, oh. Anyway, what were you saying? <laughs> like, everyone, including the person who's talking at that moment, just goes, ooh. Okay, and then. Wow. Well, the sky is pretty vast, and you're all looking at the same thing? Yes. That's pretty awesome. It is a little strange as well, just because... We live in the city, and we live in a polluted city enough. Bakersfield, we get our, all of our smog, and of course all of the jet stream smog, and all the light pollution and all that. But it is amazing to see just how many stars are up there, even with even just getting outside of light pollution. Okay, well talking about pollution, I think, and I could be wrong because I have nothing scientific here to back me up, but I think that we've been able to see the mountains around us every day this summer, which is we, unusual. We have. 
We have. I can. I can say that for certain because I've looked out and I've seen the mountains almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. If we're not careful, I'm going to start getting used to that. Yeah. In the summertime, we usually forget that there are mountains around us because we can't see them because the air quality is poor. Mm-hmm. So we've. Uh, I guess the benefit of COVID for us has been better air quality. Maybe we've been the virus the whole time. It's possible. Well, I think that's a good enough point to segue into our song of the week. Did you not make the jingle yet? No, that was me <laughs> making it right there so we can edit it in our or something. I don't know. Our song of the week of the week. Mom, do you want to do one? No, I don't. Okay. That's cool. I'm going to get us all involved in making that jingle anyways. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry. It's going to be a miserable experience for everyone. This will be lovely. You're going to call her on the phone and just say, Mom, make a jingle right now. I'm recording this conversation. Or I might just come over on the weekend. I don't know. Okay. Well, that could work too. Doesn't matter. My song of the week is Eddie Morton's I'm a Member of the Midnight Crew. I hate a moral coward one who likes the manly spot. Michael, that is not a recent song. How did you come by this? I came by it because I'm a filthy memer who li- who read Homestuck. You, you're a dirty little meme man? Yeah, uh, and I hate it too, but the song's nice. <laughs> I'm not going to try and explain what Homestuck is and why that song's important to it, because it's not, and Homestuck is long. I think we referenced Homestuck once before on this podcast. Uh, probably, and if we referenced it, it probably came with my disclaimer that if we're ever going to talk about it, it's going to require like three episodes to cover. We're going to do it in a separate podcast, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but that's not important. What is important is, Mom, what's your song of the week? Well, my song of the week goes back to, I guess maybe I should preface this by saying I've had a whole bunch of random songs popping into my head this week. And so, like, every day this week I thought I was going to choose a different song, and all of a sudden today I'm choosing a completely different song that I think I stumbled upon back when I first started getting into Josh Groban, which was like, I don't know, 2006? And I think because I was searching around on Amazon for CDs to buy, Amazon had this great feature of, you know, people who liked this CD also liked this other CD. So I would click on it and it would have samples of music you could listen to. And so one of the singers I stumbled upon was Russell Watson, who is a baritone out of the UK. And he's also kind of a classical crossover similar to Josh Groban. So you can see why Amazon might think I would like it. But he really does have a beautiful baritone voice. And the song I'm I picked that I really like is the live version of his song, Someone to Remember Me. I've got no context for this song. I don't actually, I don't don't recognize it. I don't remember it. You've probably heard it. We just probably didn't realize we were hearing it. I'm sure that's the case. It's a good song. Yeah. How about you, John? What about your song? 
Uh, this week, I'm going to pick the song, Independent Together. I believe it was composed by Rebecca Sugar of uh, Cartoon Network fame. <laughs> yeah. From the Steven Universe cartoon? From the movie, Steven Universe the movie. It is sung by the character Steg, who <laughs> is a fusion of a man and his son, Steven and Greg. And I like the song. We could be independent together. Independent together we can fly. Independent together. Independent together. Independent together. <laughs> I'm glad you like it, John. That was almost painfully awkward. Was it? No. Me? I don't know. It was fun watching you. Did you tell us the name of the song? Independent Together. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. You did. And then he struggled coming up with an artist's name. I mean, it was composed by Rebecca Sugar, as well as Ted Leo and Stimage. Uh The vocalists were Ted Leo, uh, Didi Mango Hall, and Amy Mann. Okay. Then, yeah. It has a runtime of 3 minutes and 16 seconds. Great. Okay. Well then. <laughs> and that's what and that's what I brought this week. And that will transition us quite nicely into a word from our sponsor. A word from our sponsor, which is A and W. Do we have a jingle for that as well? Not yet. No. <laughs> I don't know. Still Did creating we? one. Also, I'm not sure that was a fantastic segue. We can cut it out. <laughs> so last week we brought up rootbeer.com and the fact that A&W lo- owns that and I love that. But we also found the recipe for the s'mores root beer float. And so, because we absolutely love A&W and we're sure they've never made a bad creation ever, we're going to do a taste testing. We're going to do a taste test here in the A&W test kitchen. Which is our kitchen and is in fact not the A&W test kitchen. Yes. So, I should refresh everyone, uh, in case I didn't do it last week actually, on the recipe for the s'more, the campfire root beer float. It is two scoops of s'mores ice cream, fill your glass with A&W root beer, and then top with toasted marshmallows, mini chocolate chips, and graham cracker crumbs. Okay, so... Let's start the assembly process. Let's put these together. Okay, so the s'mores root beer floats are in hand. I'm mixing mine all up right now to get as good a a flavor bite as I can. I am not. I am instead making a mess. (laughs) Uh, I am liking the the aesthetics of this, though. It looks nice. I'm about to take my first bite. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Hmm. So what do you think? That doesn't suck. Well, maybe use some more positive words. This is our app block. (laughs) <laughs> do we know for sure that root beer is promoting this recipe well it's on rootbeer.com okay so A&W did have a hand in making this mm. as far as I'm concerned A&W is responsible for this recipe and A&W is responsible for me putting this absolutely delicious uh, creation in my mouth right now this is surprisingly good would you like a bite mom oh no thanks that's fine not a tiny one not a tiny one uh, I, I might taste it later but uh, tell us now 
You know, how does the blend of flavors melt in your mouth? You know, surprising. I didn't think like chocolate and root beer would mix like fantastically, but it works pretty well. And then the nice toasty marshmallow, that's just some gooey goodness that uh, that really ties it all together. I don't notice the graham cracker at all, I'll admit. Mm-hmm. I uh, I did not mix mine together. I left mine more heterogeneous. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did notice the graham cracker. I think perhaps yours was uh, absorbing the root beer a bit more. I got some dry graham cracker. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a tasty little thing. I might do this again. Yeah. Okay, so now we know why A&W promotes this recipe, because it's quite tasty. Mm-hmm. And if A&W gives us money in the next week, uh, we'll test another recipe that they've made. Oh, there's the graham cracker. It actually adds a nice amount of flavor to it. It does really taste like... It's not weird having root beer involved in the flavor of a s'more, but that's it, basically what it is. I'm drinking yeah. a liquid s'more. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it would be weird, like, eating a s'more and also drinking root beer, but if it's the same thing, it works It works well. really well. I'm enjoying this. I could do it again. I will do it again. That's amazing, because I kind of expected that this wasn't going to be great. Although it was on the A&W website, so it had to be. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to pick a wink link with this, it might be the s'mores ice cream. I think we might be able to get away with maybe a combination of chocolate and vanilla going forward. It does mostly just seem like it's chocolate, mm. doesn't it? Yes, yes. So we could do a chocolate ice cream with the root beer and the graham crackers? And yeah, or even like maybe, I don't know, an Oreos ice cream. Something that's already mm-hmm. a combination of, like, I wouldn't say a Neapolitan because I don't think we'd want strawberry in the mix, but... Well, I gotta tell you, the s'mores ice cream was the hardest one to find. People probably thought I was weird for studying the ice cream freezer as long as it took me to find it. Because of all the brands of freezers, or I mean, all the brands of ice creams in the freezer... Only one had a s'mores flavor. It is a little weird specific type of judgment that is passed around at a grocery store. Well, nobody says anything out loud. Yes, we're all judging all the other shoppers, but nobody says anything. It's a palace of judgment, and yet nothing ever comes of it. In fairness, I don't judge people for their choices. uh, Well, their food choices at the grocery store. I just judge them for their behavior and bringing along, you know, the entire family, making it a social event. Yeah. True. But I do stand in line sometimes and watch people unload their carts and try to put together stories of what's happening at their house just based on the things they're buying. Cat food? Cool. Fireworks? All right. A watering can? Sure. Maybe I see different things at the grocery store than some people do. Yes. And then Otter Pops, because who doesn't love a frozen Otter Pop? Well, John... We won't be taste testing those. Thank you. I'm actually not a huge fan of water pops. Really? Yeah. So, my final words on the subject. You could probably get away with just vanilla ice cream and then like some chocolate sauce on top. Uh-huh. And you'd get mostly the same thing. But it's a really, it's really good. It's a little heavier than a normal root beer float. But if you don't mind a little more prep time in making it and like, I don't know, burning some marshmallows over the stove top... I think everyone should give this a try. Okay. And now we have a good reason to use up the rest of that big old bag of marshmallows that I bought for this. Yeah. True, because there's only one other thing we use marshmallows for, and it's going to be a while. That's going to be a couple seasons from now. When we taste test hot chocolate. Did you forget about your favorite drink? I straight up forgot about hot chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's 104 degrees. That's uh, easy to understand. I'm now going to put this away and grab some napkins for the big mess I made. Thank you.
Okay, so our topic tonight is something that is very special. Very special because it was... Uh, Suggested to us by a listener. By a listener, yes. And we apologize in advance that we probably are not going to do it justice, but we're going to give it our best go. We're going to take this about as seriously as the people talking about philosophy over dinner and Monty Python. And with that, our topic of the day is philosophy and philosophies and philosophers. I thought it was the meaning of life. Which is largely, I think, what philosophers are trying to get at. So why do you think that we are here? Why are we here? Like, in general, or like, for? are we looking for a purpose? I think we should nail down early on how, like, what scope we're talking about. Because are we talking about humanity or personal destiny? Well, I think I could easily say that, like, we're here through a ton of great cosmic coincidences that allowed Earth to evolve life and put humans on the planet and I have no idea. It's just a whole lot of random happenstance. It does seem kind of odd that none of us asked to be here, but once we get here, all of a sudden we're saddled with a huge burden of responsibility. Mostly to ourselves. Mostly. And and to the people around us, though. Yeah, but not everyone follows those responsibilities. So, John, if you could summarize in, like, Five sentences, what Monty Python's take on the whole meaning of life is, what would you say? It's interesting that you ask that, Michael, because the movie uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life uh, deals with the life of human beings, our stages of life, and also what our true purpose is as humans. And they go through it in a very whimsical, very fun, entertaining way throughout the whole movie, depicting the different stages of life, of course. And at the end of the movie, uh, they title... The end of the movie, the end of the movie. They break it up into, like, chapters. So the beginning, adolescence, education, middle age, death, and then the end of the movie. And it is just someone sitting in a chair, and they tell you the meaning of life. And I think that's very kind of them. They're just like, here's a summary of the entire movie. It has nothing to do with what we already said, but here you go. I already looked this up, but that was, like, a month and a half ago, so I don't know where what I said. Oh, yeah. It's also a great movie in that it has a pre-show, The Crimson Permanent Assurance, which is about accountants who become pirates. Which then takes over part of the actual movie. Yes, that does come into... How do the accountants become pirates? Rebellion. Well, upper management has been taken over by a new clique. Well, plus the accountants have some skill there, and they could probably steal all your money and you wouldn't know. That does kind of come into it. Just in a more literal sense. Yes. Uh, The accountants... The upper management, like, sacked one worker, and they said, okay, time to rebel. And then they did, and then the Crimson Permanent Assurance was born, and then they sailed the Accountant Sea. The Accountant Sea? Yes. I should have watched this movie. We might have to at some point, because it's amusing, though a little gruesome at parts, because while there is sections on birth, adolescence, adulthood, and et cetera, et cetera, there's also a full section devoted to live organ transplants. Yes. Which is defined as a part of the meaning of life. Yes, it is. Because what, if your life isn't good enough, you take somebody else's? No. Not necessarily. I think the word that uh, causes the most trouble in that is the live part. Oh, okay. They're, They're taking it from you while you're alive. Okay. I think it's supposed to be more towards, we should all be more willing to help others, both alive and dead. 
But we're gonna take your organs from you while you're alive, because you signed up at the library for it. Well, there you go. Don't be signing up for stuff you're not ready to do yet. Read the fine print. Yes. Shockingly, people do sign things that they never read. Of course, we all sign things lately, because, like, you can't use an app until you sign your life away. Yeah, the EULA, the user's licensing agreement. Well, legally speaking, uh, there have been court cases saying that, like, it's a random click on your screen does not constitute a legally binding signature that you read the EULA. Because it's commonly accepted, nobody reads those agreements? Yes, yes, actually, specifically because of that. Okay, I do try to read most of the agreements, but sometimes they're just too long and you skim through the headings, you're going, yeah, 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 and then you just click anyway. So, yeah, it's too much. Okay, uh-huh. and... I want to say that in one of the updates for iTunes, like back in the early 2010s, maybe late aughts, uh, there was like one case where they said, I wonder how many people actually read this whole thing. Let's put in one section, if you email us this and give us your contact information, we'll give you $1,000. And it took a few months before someone noticed. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the managers at work, he sends out communications to all of the employees through email. And all of the texts, are they know that they're supposed to respond to all of these emails with the comments read and understood. So they all respond, read and understood. But at the bottom of one of them, he told them they were supposed to say, I read this to the very end. <laughs> and like only one guy said it, and nobody knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Messing with people that one time, seeing how many people are actually reading the emails. Yeah. So yeah, you got to do it every once in a while to find out who's actually reading. I, uh, at the beginning of my eighth grade year in English, we had a test that was like that. Where it was just a little weird, and it was about a book that none of us read because it was the beginning of the year. And then the last question was, if you did anything else on this test, you have failed it. You were just supposed to bring it back up. It says at the top of the page while you're first starting the test, like, read over all questions first. Before answering. Yes. Before answering. But people start answering the questions as they're reading them? Yeah. Yes, because, like, why would you design a test that way? It's just wasting time, really. It really is, yeah. Anyway, uh, only one kid actually did that and he was very annoying about it yes i think i had a kid like that in my class i think his name was Chaz, maybe chad he had a lisp yep that's that's the guy i have found the end of the film okay from monty python's the meaning of life i found the end of the film let's see it concludes the film by reading out the meaning of life introducing it by saying it's nothing very special really try to be nice to people avoid eating fat Read a good book every now and then, get some walking in, and try to live together in peace and harmony with people of all grades and nations. So why would you avoid fat? Uh, Just because in our modern life, like, uh, it's very heavy in fats normally in our uh, first world countries. Try and live a little healthy. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think when Monty Python was first created, fats were not the abomination that they have become. Mm -hmm. Certainly not trans fats. Trans fats were a new kind of fat that was, like, hip and cool, and you could eat these. But it turns out trans fats are actually not that great. Nope, they're pretty awful. Although they taste good. I gotta say, anything with a trans fat in it usually tastes quite nice. It's the hydrogenation. Something about that just really improves the flavor. I, I took a nutrition class once. It's the, new, it's the hydrogenation. It's the hydrogenated oil. I know. I can't enjoy a cup of coffee quite the same without the Coffee Mate creamers. I've tried. Yeah, we heard that, John. Michael? We heard it. Huh? Michael? What, John? Would you like some hydrogenated oils? I really would not. Not right now. I'd rather have that that root beer float waiting for me in the fridge. (laughs) 
Okay, so back to the meaning of life. Why do you think we're here? Why do I think we're here? Well, I could talk about that, or I could talk about why someone else who's been around longer than I have thinks it's what the meaning of life is. Okay, who is the someone? Because it's probably not me. The someone is Douglas Adams, an author I highly respect. And also, he jokes about literally everything, including the meaning of life. In his first big novel, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, an alien race creates a supercomputer designed to calculate what the meaning of life is. The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Okay, and how long did this take to calculate? It took, uh, did it say like a million years, basically? I want to say it was 10,000, but it might have been more. It took a long time for this computer to calculate everything in the universe and come up with the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And at the end, Deep Thought decided that the answer to life, the universe, and everything was 42. Now, what does that mean? Well, depending on who you ask, Douglas Adams himself says in various interviews that the answer is meaningless and it's mostly just for fun. But some other people have thought about it and have come up with kind of a pseudo answer. They've put in some deep thought into this. Yeah, what a surprise. And they thought, well, computers calculating the answer to me life the mean life the universe and everything might come up with an answer very differently than humans would right on a computer most text is read through ascii okay that's how text is formatted we used to call that ascii it's still the same i just can't pronounce that no matter how many computer science classes i've taken you can't pronounce ascii john what don't make me do this what's stopping you my own brain okay uh is it because they're all capital letters? No. And okay. each each letter, each character that can be displayed on a computer uh, has a number value assigned to it. The value 42 roughly represents an asterisk. And in programming, generally speaking, asterisks are kind of like a wild card. You have them reference other things depending on the programming language you're using. And that can basically mean an asterisk means anything you want it to. So to a computer, life the universe and everything yes. would have the answer of anything you want it to. Hmm. Being a wild card? Life yeah. is like a wild card? You decide Life is meaning. whatever you want it to mean. You decide its meaning. Which is the equivalent of 42. And it's the equivalent of kind of a bullshit answer, which is what all the aliens were thinking as well. Yeah, no, the aliens were a bit upset, so then they asked the computer to make another computer to give them an answer that would satisfy them. Yeah, and so that ultimately results in a bunch of mice trying to cut a human's brain out of it. But that doesn't matter right now. It was after the human went on a journey across the galaxy, though, so it's fine. Well, I did watch a few interviews where Douglas Adams was, like, interviewed by David Letterman and various other people. And he was quite an entertaining chap. And I was impressed with the fact that most of his writing was done when he was very, very wasted on alcohol. Yeah, he came up with the original idea for uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy while he was actually hitchhiking across Europe. He had a hitchhiker's guide to uh, whatever area yeah, he yep. was in, and he was just like, uh, life sucks and it's so messed up. I wish I had a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so I could figure a little more out. And then he promptly forgot about that idea for years. <laughs> And And it wasn't until he was desperate for money and he had a writer's job uh, that he's like, I could make a book out of that. And then he did. 
And then he did, and it was highly successful. Well, it kind of sounded like he spent the next 10, 15, I don't remember how many years, just revising that story. Does he have multiple versions of that story? He does, and it's, it's a little complicated history. I'm never going to explain it right, but there's basically a radio show. Right. Another radio show, a television show, the movie, the books, of course... And all of them vastly differ from each other. Don't forget the point-and-click adventure. And the point-and-click adventure, which literally has nothing to do with anything else. But each version, every medium that the story is in, besides maybe the audiobooks of the novels, is different from the others based on, like, characters, what they're doing, why they're doing it, the order events happen in. I think it was originally a radio show, which meant it was episodic. So they had to figure out like, okay, the last episode ended. What happens next? Right. They, they could afford to be, they could afford for it to not have a lot of lead up into the next big thing. So did he gather a bunch of other writers around him to assist in writing screenplays or, you know, the uh, audio versions for the radio program? Or how did he do this? Because... Did he do it on his own? You're using the term they, so is it multiple people? I couldn't tell you exactly. I'm using they because that's a lot easier to assume that it could be a person or a few people or many people. I don't know off the top of my head. I I could, in theory, find uh, my collection of his books and find his interviews on the matter, Mm -hmm. but that would take time that we don't have. Right. Well, I am super impressed that he did this while drunk because most people do not put out anything worth reading when they are inebriated. So kudos to him. The thing about that is that he may have made it while he was drunk. He still had an editing. He still had to do some editing. Oh, sure. But at least the, the main idea was still there. He had the bones of the project. And it was it basically got to the point where he'd been doing it for so long and he wasn't publishing it that eventually his editor just said, just give me what you have. You're never going to get it perfect. Just give me what's there. And that's why the first book ends at a very abrupt place. Because that was the point where he picked it up and handed it off. Yeah, basically. Remind me how the first book ended, Michael? They got the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Uh, They got past a few security guards, and they're like, huh, that was weird. Want to go to the restaurant at the end of the universe? Sure. And then the book ends. Oh, so that's how they got to the restaurant at the end of the universe. That's how they started the journey. And the next book starts by them not going there at all. (laughs) And they just happen to end up there in the middle. I want to say that there was uh, about 10 years ago now, Mom, we rented some audiobooks from the library while while we were taking a trip. And I think four of those were the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. But we weren't able to check out the first one. We were able to get like two through five, I think. Okay, because I do kind of have a bit of a memory of hearing some of this. Um, but yeah, maybe not getting the first one was my issue. I had no context. We very much did listen to them out of order. I can tell you that. We listened to them five, four, three, and two. We did not go the proper direction, but I think that's fine. They're interesting books. And if you don't mind reading what it basically amounts to a bunch of nonsense happening for no reason at all, you should give them a read. An example of nonsense happening for no reason at all. Oh, freddled grunt bugly. Thy mercur... McChur, what does that say? Are you are you I'm reading Vogon a... poetry? Yes, I'm reading Vogon poetry. Thy micturations. Micturations. I don't, didn't know me. that was a word. It might not be. 
My thy micturations are to me with big yawning, as plurdled gabble blotchest in midsummer morning. On the lurged bee that morgiously hath blurted out its erted jertles grumbling. And okay, is this British poetry? No, this is Vogon poetry, which is highly regarded as the second worst kind of poetry throughout the universe. By who? Who even knows about this poetry? Uh, the editors at the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, and they consider it to be the second worst? Yes. Which would be the first worst? Uh, some English poet. Yeah, some some person that they wanted to dunk on. Okay, so this being the second worst, I can I, uh, totally agree that it is pretty bad. Yes, and we only led, read a couple lines of this. There's like, tw- there's like 40 lines in this poem. I'll pass. Okay. <laughs> so I guess we should, this, this podcast is getting a little long, and we've barely touched on what we actually think the meaning to life is. Okay, Michael, what do you think uh, humans were put on this earth to do, or if we were put on it at all? Uh, I think as far as like on a cosmic scale, probably not much, but I think we owe it to ourselves and others to try and make stuff. It seems like everything in the universe is built upon making other things. Stars explode to make other things. People make other people. We write, we read, we listen to music, we make music, we make art, we make stuff. I would like to put out there that we should leave this place better than we found it. I personally think that humans maybe not we might not have been put on this earth, I'm not sure, because I have no authority to say that. I might not have, not have the authority to say that, but we do have the duty to be kind to one another and to foster kindness for all people. So why do you believe you have that duty? Because I am one person and everyone else is so many more people. And if I can maximize the amount of happiness in the world, that means making other people happy. So the meaning of life is to maximize total happiness? Yes. Yeah, okay. Perhaps I've watched too much Puella Madoka Magica. Perhaps. I don't know what that was, but... (laughs) It's an anime. Don't worry about it. No, it's a good one, but don't watch it. I think that if you can enjoy your time, not take yourself too seriously, and leave people laughing, then it's always going to be a better time for everyone. I guess Monty Python was right. About? The meaning of life. 42? No, no, that was Douglas that's Adams. Douglas Adams. Oh. <laughs> Monty Python's was the uh, uh, Christmas that happened. Uh, try to be nice to people, avoid eating fat, read a good book every now and then, get some walking in, try to live together in peace and harmony with people of all creeds and nations. Just in case you forgot. Okay, I, th- I think he's right also. Um, just in case, do you think he forgot anything? Uh, I mean, I'm sure we're all forgetting stuff from time to time. Uh, kindness to one person could be cruel to another person, so keep that in mind. Well, okay, I I would like to disagree with that one because I don't know that kindness can ever equate to cruelty. I mean, I'm going to say it in a very specific example of where if you are kind to a, I will say this, Nazi, and allow them to foster their own beliefs, you might be cruel to people who are victims to Nazis. Okay, sure, but but Nazis shouldn't count as people. Uh, Kindness, though, and allowing them to become evil is not the same thing. Yes, so I think that we should all acknowledge the humanity of each other because we should have compassion for each other. But I do think that it is important that everyone have compassion for everyone. Treat your brother yeah. as yourself. Yeah. Take that, Nazis. Be kind to people. 
Yeah. Yeah, and if you are a Nazi and you're spewing hate, you deserve to get punched. There really isn't room in the world for Nazis if we're going to love each other. So I mean, there's plenty of room in the world for us all to be here. We can coexist. We can be happy. Uh, we can even enjoy each other from afar if not closer. Yeah. That's a nice little thing to talk about for COVID. It is. Stay six feet away. Stay six feet away. And wear a mask, please. Stay six feet away. Wear a mask. Be kind to other people. Don't be a Nazi. Those are the morals of this episode. Yeah, let, that, that sums it up. I think that's how we're going to end this episode. <laughs> Do you have any other wisdom, John? Let's see. Have I said uh, too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't like to impress people they don't like? You haven't said that. Okay. Well, too many people spend money that they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. No, you said that before. Oh, darn it. Like 10 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye. That's a nice episode. I could have ended with Vogon Poetry. Thank you for not doing that, John. Oh, snot bugly. (laughs) I'm going to look up a YouTube video of someone reading Vogon Poetry because that's very fun to me.